Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, Jody Henry, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. good to How see you? you again. Good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, where are you coming from now? I'm in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. Um, yeah, so I sort of, I had three years stint at the AIS, but um, came back home. I love home. I'm a bit of a homebody. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, when did you officially retire from swimming? Um, so I stopped swimming at the start of 2008, but I officially retired 2009. Um, just because I left that open, wasn't sure whether I'd go back to it. But yeah, once I left, I was happy to be out. So oh, Okay, nice. Yeah. Well, listen, you are um, Olympic champion, a three-time Olympic champion, correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> well, yeah, you won, realize that's pretty damn good. And, uh, I know. I know. So, yeah. but they, they all well, it was, Yeah, like when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, really? I mean like I shared the other ones with three other girls. Yeah, so you did. it wasn't just me. Yeah. You did, but you beat the whole world. So that's why you're Olympic champion. So, but um, yeah. well, listen, I do kind of want to talk about your career and wh what you're doing these days as well with swimming because I know you're doing some interesting stuff. But, um, you know, just for the people that don't necessarily know you, uh, you are the 100 freestyle Olympic champion. Uh, from 2004 uh, Athens yeah. Olympics we were teammates together and um, incredible swim I actually just watched it back on on YouTube and what is going on with your start and turn oh my god I know they were particularly bad in that final like <laughs> they, really were. Bad. they were really <laughs> bad you gave yeah. half a body length at the start you give half a body length at the at the turn and you still dominate the race I know, I know. I actually listened to Shannon talk um, recently and he said I probably, if I was swimming nowadays, I would have had to gone up to the 200. And it was because I just didn't have that fire off the start and mm. um, off the turn. Like there were actual physical reasons why I didn't as well. Mm. Um, and we sort of didn't pay that enough attention during my career. Um, it was sort of, yeah, but you know, it's what it is. I came away with the win in the end, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When did it all start for you? How'd you get into swimming? Um, so typically in Southeast Queensland, where I grew up, you learn to swim pretty early because we've got, um, I, here in Brisbane, I've got the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast within an hour's drive. And then my dad was also a keen water skier and things. So um, we were always around the water. So we had to learn to swim from a young age. Mm. Um, yeah, and it sort of just progressed from there, from learning to swim to going to like a local swim club and then um, moving on to Chandler where it became a bit more serious. Yeah. How did you end up with Shannon in Shannon's group? Yeah, so um, I started to get a little, so I went to a local swim club, club called Springland Swim Club and I was starting to outgrow that. So yeah. mum and dad, um, a couple of winters just trialed me at Chandler. Um, mm. And then once I was 14, I went across, but I actually wasn't with Shannon when I first moved. I was with his brother, Nathan, in the intermediate squad. Um, and then once I, you know, started to progress, like you, you know, you're doing well when they're putting you up against the boys and yeah. racing against the boys yeah. in training mm -hmm. and you're doing PVs in training. So, um, yeah, once I started to progress, I got put up to uh, Shannon's senior squad. 
That's pretty cool. Now, what was your relationship like with him initially? Did you, did you just talk me through that? Um, initially, because we had such a large squad at that time, it was um, not as close as what we eventually became. You know, mm. that grew into yeah. a really good coach-athlete relationship. Um, yeah. So we had a really, really large squad of people from all different um, events. So we had, you know, the distance swimmers. Like, do you remember Emily Pedrazzini? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So she was in our squad, and then we had Greg Shaw with the two hundred fly, and Kate Godfrey, and Julia Ham. Like, we actually had quite a few mm. really good swimmers in our squad. So I was just the young and in the squad, sort of just looking up to the big kids. So yeah. Now listen, they've had. I, I've noticed they've had a lot of um, celebrations around the two thousand Olympics back home, uh, especially in Sydney, but certainly in Australia and, and the impact that the games had on, you know, everybody in that country. Um, how old were you at that point in time and what impact did the Sydney games have on you? Yeah, so I was 16. So um, I went to trials and I missed out on the relay team by 0 0.02 of a second. Oh, wow. So I was really close to being there. I actually got sixth. I just didn't get that qualifying under the qualifying, mm -hmm. which was fine because I actually was really young and really, um, really nervous to be there. So, um, yeah, the impact it had on me was just being able to see a home game. Like, there's nothing like it. Um, yeah, and the the celebrations around that. I actually, we didn't go to watch. I was on holidays up in a place called 1770, up in sort of six hours north of here. Um, and we were watching it on the TV there and sort of just, you know, a group of us huddled around the TV watching. But it was amazing to watch and it, it made you really want to be there. Was there so anyone in particular that had, it, had an impact, like any one performance that stands out in your mind? Um, I mean, the four by one men's <laughs> yeah. um, on that first night, just because of how, how amazing that was. I mean, I suppose the little banter that was before that between the Americans and us, you know, really did make the profile of that race quite big. Um, but being able to also see Hacky, who had been struggling in a few events um, at that Games, be able to come through and win the 1500 so well. Mm. Um, that was also a really big moment for me to say, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have kind of that moment where you sit back and you watch the games and obviously you want to be there. You just missed it. But you, you kind of really start to hit your stride around 2002 when you go to the Commonwealth Games in Manchester and, and you have an incredible performance. From what I can see here, it looks like you won three gold medals there you you win the 100 freestyle for the first time at a major international meet and for those for my american viewers that don't fully understand the commonwealth games it's it's almost for us back home in australia it's almost as big as winning the olympics everybody is around the television watching it um you can really make a name for yourself sponsors um, all that type of thing so to win the 100 freestyle uh, i guess at that point in time you're about 18 years old that's a pretty big deal right yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I was lucky that it was overseas, so um, the impact on me really wasn't that big. Um, yeah, and to be honest, it's a really foggy memory. For some reason, Manchester, I don't know why, it just, um, 
yeah, I remember the 50. I came second in the 50 to a New Zealand girl. I remember standing on the dice for that. I actually don't remember standing on the dice for the 100, <laughs> um, which is really weird. But, I mean, that happens with me. A lot of my meets have just melded into one giant one. So, in well, that's brain. interesting that you bring that up because you, you had a certain type of personality that I think speaks to uh, being able to perform at a very high level. And that was, you're very contained. You're very kind of, I wouldn't say mellow, but you're, you're one of these people that um, you don't have huge ups and you don't have big downs from what it seems like to a lot of people from the outside. Do you feel that you have that type of personality? I do. I do. Like I actually, um, a lot of people are surprised at this, but I'm actually quite an anxious person. Um, and a lot of work went into like Sydney 2000, I, the trials, I was trying to run away. I was, I was trying to come up with any excuse to not swim the hundred free mm. at the trials. Um, so I did a lot of work a, a around taking on the challenge and getting to that, the event. Um, but yeah, I am someone who takes everything in their stride in terms of um, like if there's a disappointing swim or even a good swim. Um, I've just got a little bit of, I don't know, maybe perspective there or something. Um, yeah, I've just always been able to just take things in my stride and take things as they came. So, yeah. How were you able to go from somebody that had that type of anxiety in 2000 to 2002 being, you know, a champion? Uh, at that highest level, um, what are some of the things that you would put into place in order to be able to get the performance out of yourself? Let's say out of Manchester, you know, at, at age 18, were there anything specific that you were doing at that point? Um, so it wasn't so much me. It was more, I mean, I did the work in terms of, I turned up, but, um, my coach did not let me run away from those challenges. So, um, everything in my body was telling me, ah, get out. <laughs> you know, stop, run away. And Shannon was like, no, you're not. You're going to go and face it. So we did um, Manostrum. That was really good for me. I did Manostrum quite a few years in a row. Um, and it was putting me up against the, um, the people that might have intimidated me, the situations that scared me a little bit, um, had me racing people that you don't race um, domestically. Um, and because in Australia, Pretty much when you're a junior, most of your racing is just domestically. You don't get to race the internationals. So, um, yeah, when I then had gotten to that senior and been able to race the internationals and put myself in those situations that really scared me, um, that helped with my confidence. Yeah. You don't seem, to, you didn't at that time and you don't seem now to be an imposing figure. You know, you're not, you, you don't have this outward personality that would impose on other people, especially in the sense, you know, you raised a girl like Inga de Bruin, who kind of really did have that outward personality. So how were you able to be, become the fastest sprinter on the planet with the type of personality that you have, you think? Um, oh, that's actually... Good question. Um, I don't know. I think I just, I, you get to the point where you just have to accept yourself for who you are. I am, I'm not an outgoing person. I am someone who um, will shy away from the limelight. Um, yeah, but because when you're in that moment, everything else seems to be blocked out. You know, the crowds, I mean, Athens was different um, because I had my family there and I actually used the crowd a little bit, um, more just from the point of view of to make me smile 
Um, but yeah, so like I just must have tunnel vision when when you walk out behind those blocks. It's sort of nothing else matters. Um, yeah, and you just get in there and you do your job and you know how to swim and you know how to race. You do it every day in training, the same events, you know. So, um, yeah, I think it was just I was able to block things out. So do you feel like you, you felt anxiety up to, you know, during the lead up and then during the, the moment when it counted the most, when the spotlight is actually on you, you were able to shut that anxiety off in a way? Um, no, I still like, no, I still really was anxious to the point where I actually had specific things in my head that I had to do out behind the blocks because oh. we know that that moment is a really intense moment. Isn't All right, it? good. Like, so oh, tell me that. What are the specific things you're doing behind the blocks? Yeah. So, okay. So in the marshalling, I had to talk just to anyone who would talk to me. So mm. Natalie Coughlin was that <laughs> in the final of the hundred, the poor thing. I just kept on talking. Um, and then once I walked out behind the blocks, um, Shannon gave me these really specific things to do. So I had to wave up to my sister and my cousin who were on the left hand side of the grandstand. I had to wave to my parents who were on the right and then down to you guys on pool deck who were down the bottom. So I had to wave to all you guys and then I had to just smile. So I had those really specific things in my head that I had to do just to keep my mind off what was about to happen. Um, Because once I dive into the water, my body would go onto autopilot and know exactly what to do. But it's just those moments beforehand to keep my head clear. Wow, that's really interesting that you guys had such a specific plan in order to say left, right, straight ahead, (laughs) smile. I mean, that's pretty incredible to have that type of plan. I love that. Well, that that goes to show how well Shannon knew me as well, like, Mm. and how close that um, coach summer relationship was that he knew he had to give me something really specific. Like, I had plans around everything in Athens. I really did. So, um, and what, what were the, some of the things that Shannon would do in order to get to know you? How, how do you get to know an athlete that well where it's like, hey, we're going to have a plan, you know, right behind the blocks? How do you know your athlete that well? Um, it's just he was there for all the moments. He was there for all those moments beforehand where I was trying to run away. And I'm a really honest person, like really um, honest, to the point where I probably told him, um, like I would just say to him, I'm so nervous or, you know, I just, I'd never try to hide how I was feeling. Mm. Um, so I think that also allowed him to get to know me well enough to know what he needed to do with me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? Well, let's go back from Athens uh, briefly. What was it like in Barcelona where you, you first time you're on the big international stage, the world championships, and you actually finished second in the hundred freestyle. Who, who were the, who's the person that won that? And who were some of the people that you beat during that race? Yeah. So Hannah Maria Sapala was the one who won that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Finish. Yeah. Oh, I could be wrong. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she won that. Um, I think Libby was possibly in that race. So her and I were the 200-meter freestylers for world champs that year. Um, so Libby, I think, maybe came fifth or something. She was starting to hit her stride then as well. Um, yeah, I honestly, like I said, a lot of those meets are really melded into one and I really blank. I remember Barcelona from the point of view I love Barcelona and I loved where the pool was that time it's like it was up on the mountain yeah. um, and I remember we had to walk a fair way between 
the competition pool and then the warm down pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, I don't remember being on the dice. I don't, I don't remember. I remember the four by one. I remember that because we meddled in that. Um, that's interesting that you're not really remembering the times where you actually get on the dice and that can be the times for most people where they they never forget that you know that can be their only memory but you're actually saying that you're not even remembering standing on the dice so was the was the dice the ultimate thing for you like why were you swimming at the time why were you competing what were you competing for the olympics (laughs) but i mean you wanted to be olympic champion so you had imagined yourself standing on the dice but you can't really remember yourself actually once you got there? I remember, I do remember the Athens dice. I do remember that. I do. It's the stuff before that, that I don't, it's almost like um, out of body experiences as Mm. well. Um, But I do remember the Athens dice just because of what it meant to me Um, and my parents being there. And I was really trying to hold in crying. So um, that's why that stands out to me. You're you're allowed to cry on the dice. (laughs) Well, I don't, uh, I'm very aware that I have an ugly cry. So um, I really (laughs) didn't want to burst out in tears and, you know, um, yeah, and have to try and rein it back in because that's the hard thing to rein it back in. Um, So, yeah, that's why I remember Athens dice so much. But, yeah, um, I, I honestly don't know why. For some reason, I cannot remember the Manchester or the, or the World Championship. I get it. I, get, I, I understand. I, I would just blank everything else out too if I had won the Olympics and just remember that. So that, I'm okay with that. But why were you wanting to be Olympic champion? What was the thing that was driving you towards that goal? No, I honestly don't. Um, I mean, it's the ultimate to be the 100-metre freestyle gold medalist at an Olympics. And it's the, I think it's also what it means to be able to pull that off as well because that's the ultimate stage in our sport, isn't it? Like, and the fact that I'd broken the world record in the semi and I went into lane four in the final and I was still able to, like there's a lot of pressure on that so I think that was just um I mean at the time um like a really important thing that I actually I achieved my goal I did it in what I thought was quite hard circumstances so um but before that I I, I think it's just the history behind the Olympics you know you you grow up in Australia and watching the swimming at the Olympics, don't you? Um, I remember my first, I remember seeing Barcelona. That was the first Olympics I remember seeing and Kieran swimming the 1500. Um, yeah, so it's just the history behind it, what it means to us. Hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree 100%. Um, I, I did get to a chance to watch you break the world record this morning too uh, in, in the semifinal that you swam and you did look free. You looked, you looked smooth. It looked effortless. And then in the final, it just it looked like there was a weight on your shoulders and looked like you had to release that weight. And it certainly, once you touched the wall, it was like, oh, thank God that was done. <laughs> but, you know, you did swim three tenths slower. Did you feel the difference between the two swims? Yeah, so interesting enough, that's something that I speak about a bit with um, a couple of the programs that I do, is that night, um, overcoming the hurdle of getting in the warm-up. And so uh, the previous nights we'd done um, 25s at pace. And you remember the the times you did at pace when you break the world record and you know how you felt that night. What were the times? Tell me. Oh God, I couldn't even say now. Like, but back then I remembered. Oh, okay. Um, You were swimming very fast. 
yeah, 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 yes. Um, and so, yeah, then when I got in the warm-up and we did the same thing and I was 0.15 slower mm. and it felt heavy. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you put 1.15 together over 100 metres, that's 0.6. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I started to panic. But luckily Shannon sort of saw that I was panicking and he just said to me, don't worry, we're here to win. You might not have to swim as fast tonight. Um, so it sort of just changed my mindset from being, holy moly, oh my God, about times to being, oh no, I'm here to race. I'm here to win. So. Yeah, you were a country mile ahead of, of the rest of the world at that point in time. You, did, you went uh, 53.5 the night before. There wasn't anyone else under 54. It must be a pretty good feeling knowing you've got that cushion at least, right? Yeah, yeah. But also I was really aware that Olympic finals, it's anyone's game you know, um, and yeah, like all it just takes is, I mean, it could have taken me being a little bit off on that first lap. I, you saw, I had a bad dive and I had a bad turn, um, you know, and it could have just taken me not having a little bit of speed at that end part as well. And Inga could have touched first. So, well, actually that's where it looked like you really took over the race. I mean, there wasn't anyone else in the pool that could hang with you on that last 25. Was that clearly a specialty of yours, but is that something you specifically trained? Yeah. Yeah. So in training, um, I, so I trained with Alice Mills, as you know, um, and Alice was really good at the sprint fifties and I was really good at the hundred, 200 type sets. So we knew that I was a back end swimmer. So we really did train the back end. Um, and there were quite a few sessions that I did separate to the girls as well to do specific back end training. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Give us a, give us a set that you can remember that, um, you would maybe do often or you did really well once. Um, so there was one that I really enjoyed doing just because I was surprised that I was able to do it. Um, it was eight fifties on 35 holding 30 or under. And so for a sprinter wow. <laughs> and I would do that like four times, four sets of it with just like a 200 sim down in between. And mm -hmm. yeah, I used to hold 30 point or under, um, 30 low or under for, for those eight fifties. So on I 35. To, wow. Yeah, on 35, yeah, so 110 pace, yeah. So, um, and I did that by myself with like Shannon's assistant's assistant because I used to train, the, uh, some of the girls were um, still at school and so I wasn't at school so I could come in from three to five and um, yeah, I liked that I finished early and, and got to train by myself. I really, I'm, I'm pretty good at pushing myself. I don't need someone else there to push me. Um, yeah, but I really loved that set. Wow, that is, that is incredible. No wonder your back end was so fast. I mean, <laughs> holding paces like that. So you felt pretty confident that no matter how fast somebody really got out, you'd be able to track them down and pull them in. Yeah, I like to chase. I really liked chasing. Um, yeah, so, and I had always even done that, like with boys in the squad. Um, Shannon would, um, um, yeah, sort of get me to try and catch them. So, yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm. Incredible. Um, I mean, you talk about anxiety. I remember in Athens, uh, like I said, we were teammates, but I, I remember warming up for the final of the 50 freestyle. I remember being in the warm-up pool. You remember the warm-up pool that was kind of just outside the stadium. I remember um, being at the end of the lane and throwing up. 
I actually threw up in the warm up pool. And I remember looking around, like it just came out. And I remember looking around like, oh shit, I hope anybody, nobody saw me, you know? So I was like moving, you know, the water and trying to clear the water. And, and I just remember thinking, but, but after that, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I feel so much better. Like you, you just walk around with so much tension and, um, that whole day just felt like I was playing whack-a-mole, you know, like, uh, you know, thoughts come in your head. And it's like, whack that thought, whack that thought. Like, you know, you're trying to stop these thoughts from coming in your head because, you yeah. know, you, you've always dreamed of becoming Olympic champion. It's something that you've thought of, but it, it never created too much anxiety. But the day that it's actually about to happen and it could happen, then you have the same thought. And all of a sudden the anxiety is just exploding in you. And, and that's where for me, it was this, um, physical reaction of just throwing up in the pool. But after yeah. that, I actually felt a whole lot better. Is there, did you have any physical responses like that? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, Sydney 2000, I threw up and I was uncontrollably throwing up to the point where they had to give me a Maxillon shot. Mm. Um, so that was around the semi-final, I think. Um, so yeah, but uh, it's quite funny. So this program that I'm a part of, GMR, we, we go through all... Um, all of the physical reactions that you can experience under nerves, under those, um, those stress. Um, and yeah, I get sweaty hands. I get the tightening of the stomach. Um, I can't eat for pretty much weeks out. My mm. diet just massively changed. It's like my digestion just goes, it mm. <laughs> just turns off. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I pretty much tick all the boxes with all the signs of stress. Um, and so it was just, it's, it's really about managing that. And back then, we weren't really told, hey, it's normal. You know, um, you sort of just thought, oh, geez, what's wrong with me? Um, yeah, but now it's really nice that athletes are being told, no, don't worry, it's actually quite normal. It's your body reacting to stress and doing what it's supposed to do. Um, but my husband actually, my husband used to play professional football and every time he would go to put his mouth guard in, he would throw up as well. Mm. So, and it's your body trying to make itself lighter to be able to do what it's about to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I like that. You're, you're right. Um, I, I started to... At first, I was very embarrassed by it, you know, because it would happen over the course of a few years. But, and I was always looked at as like this tough, you know, male sprinter. And I had to kind of put that persona on. And, and it, it's not so much that I was throwing up that I felt uh, that that persona would change. But I just felt like certainly people would see weakness. And I didn't want them to mm -hmm. see weakness. And so I tried to hide it. Whereas uh, much later in my career, especially around the Athens time, I was, I was much more of the at the point where I embrace that of like, Hey, it's, it's a, it's a great physical thing that's happening to me because it's actually my body preparing itself to do something that it's never done before because I'm asking it to swim faster than it's ever swum. Even though I've pushed hard in practice, even though I've, I've trained to get to this point, I'm still asking my body to, to really do something it's never done. And, um, and, and luckily in Athens in, in the semifinal, I broke the Australian record. So I, I did swim faster than I'd ever swum and you did the same thing, breaking the world record. So it is a, a pretty interesting concept of preparing your body to, to, to do something it's never done. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the nerves behind that. So like in training, 
you're not nervous in training. You're not like it's, it's, you just, it's the environment that you're in every single day. You go into that racing environment and it's a really intense, stressful situation. Um, so yeah, your body's going to have its little, <laughs> its moment and it's going to, yeah, start setting off all those, um, stress reactions. So yeah. it's normal. But, uh, it sounds like the fact that you and Shannon had this very tight relationship and you also had Alice Mills who was part of your team. And so you had people who were very close to you. You had kind of this inner circle of people around you that, that did believe in you and did support you. And so that certainly helps in order to pull out the performance that you need as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But I think also as well, I've always, my thing with swimming was I swam. I wasn't a swimmer in terms of I didn't define myself as that. Um, I always defined myself as being my parents' daughter, my sister's sisters, you know, like mm. I, I'm, all, I'm about my family. Yeah. So um, when it came to racing, I had that perspective of they're going to love me no matter what the outcome of this is. And the thing that's most important to me is going to be there no matter what the outcome of this race was. So I think that also really helped as well with me, um, with being able to sort of talk myself down from getting too anxious. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly when it was, but I know around that this time, uh, obviously Libby Lenton was, was very fast and coming on and, and eventually she would go on to break the world record too. And then you had Alice, and then you had Sarah Ryan. You had some other, I mean, Australian female sprinters were the best in the world. It was just incredible. The, the talent that, and, the, and the, um, the, the people, that, the women that you had around you in terms of the people that were good enough to win, you know, world championships, Olympic games. Um, I, for me, I didn't have those types of people around me necessarily. Uh, on the Australian side of things. Um, but there were, there were many women around you. And so what was your relationship with, with uh, Libby at that time? How did she make you better? Yeah. So, um, yeah, relationship was Lib with Libby was one of where teammates, we will do the best we possibly can for the team, but we didn't necessarily like each other at that time um just we were just really different personalities so I think I rubbed her up the wrong way and sometimes she rubbed me up the wrong way as well um so yeah it was uh, yeah <laughs> we were just polar opposites we really were so um but when it came to that relay we did a lot of work because we were all in Brisbane so Libby Alice and myself were all based in Brisbane and we were one two three in the world in the 100 freestyle yeah in yeah that's what I was trying to get at earlier you know I couldn't spit it out yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, Libby broke the world record at Olympic trials. So she actually went to the Olympics as world record holder. Um, yeah, so, but because our coaches knew, you know, we should be winning this four by one in Athens, that actually was the main goal for Athens was the four by one because we knew, like, we were ranked number one. <laughs> um, so we had done a lot of training together in Brisbane on relay starts and things like that. So, um, yeah, so it was very much just that team. We came together for the team. Um, yeah, and then we sort of we had Sarah and Patria vying for that fourth spot. Um, yeah, once we got into Athens, Patria ended up getting the fourth spot. 
Well, why, why was it? Why do you think the three of you were one, two, three in the world at that time? Like what was so special about you three or maybe just the, even, I mean, you're all Queenslanders, you grew up in the same area. How did that happen? Our coaches were willing to do something different. So Shannon and Stefan both started coaching for sprinters before, you know, 2000. We, uh, sprinters didn't really have specific training so much like they we still were doing like the 6k I remember like our effort session before Shannon decided to completely switch up his program was 10 ones max you can't go 10 ones fully max yeah I know. <laughs> whereas you do 10 50s max and you can you can get there like I mean it's hurting by the end but you can get to relatively your fastest speed in training you know um, yeah, but 10 ones, like it was, it was just training that wasn't specific to us. So once they sort of reframed the way they thought about training and started actually specifically doing sprint training and we weren't doing the big Ks that, you know, the 200 flyers or anything like that we're doing, that seemed to just all click. So. Yeah. I'm glad you said that actually, because you're right. I don't think even around that time that we were fully embracing how to coach sprinting and, and, and you did have a world leading coach and, um, and Libby did as well. You know, I was actually working, um, with Stefan, uh, for those 2004 Olympics and he was just incredible. He was doing things that I'd never heard before. And, and he was willing to put himself out there as, as, um, a world leading coach and say, Hey, we're going to do things differently. And I know Shannon was doing the same things. Um, so it was, it was really good the way that we had shifted. Um, now did they believe in recovery at that time as well? Was that starting to come into play a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like our recovery was more like, okay, have a power bar straight after, <laughs> straight after the race. And then, you know, like you swim until your lactate comes down and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it wasn't like ice baths or anything like that. That sort of started to come in once I moved to the Institute in 2005, they started to do the ice baths and things like that. Oh, actually, no, maybe, maybe we started to do hot, cold showers. Okay. We did. We started to do hot, cold showers like 2003. And what about recovery um, workouts? You know, like I know the general plan back then, most people swam 10 workouts a week, let's say. Was there re full recovery workouts within that plan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there was definitely. So like if we did gym of the morning, we'd just swim over a couple of K, like of just, you know, and maybe we'd just dive and practice dives and turns and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was never like we had maybe three or four intense sessions during the week, like mm -hmm. sprint intense, but um, yeah, God, no, you, it, he definitely wouldn't have us doing high intensity every session. That's for sure. Now I did have Alice on the podcast. She was awesome. Uh, love her. Uh, Shout out to Alice. Yeah, yeah. I really <laughs> enjoyed listening to it. You did good. Um, what, what was your relationship like back then with her? I mean, you, you probably heard the way she spoke about you at the time. So what was, what was yours yeah. with her? Um, yeah, so Alice um, was someone that, because she was so much younger than me, I, I sort of did feel like you had to sort of look after her a little bit. But yeah. at the same time, too, she was fiercely competitive. Like, holy moly, she jumped in that water and she was go from the start of training. Mm. Um, she was really, really, really competitive. So we all knew she was a force to be reckoned with, especially once it came to racing as well. Um, 
yeah, but I mean, she was, to me back then, she was little Alice Mills and she, you know, but as she grew older, she really grew into um, being her own person and um, becoming quite um, independent and a really hard trainer, really hard racer. And um, yeah, I, I mean, that was just, she was so little and so young and yeah, you just sort of had felt, had that nurturing thing around her. Um, but yeah, as she grew older, like you got, I got to know her more for the person she is. She had a wicked sense of humor. She was yeah. really quick. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like she was a great teammate to have on the team because she was my training partner as well. But you know, um, yeah, she was just a bit of fun. Her and Libby were always really fun in the marshalling area. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she is great. I love her. Um, now listen, the next year, I mean, going into the world championships in Montreal in 2005 as the Olympic champion and, and the relays and number one in the world, was it then harder? Now the spotlight is really on you. You know, you're the person to beat. Was that any different uh, in terms of being able to perform under that type of pressure? No, I honestly, um, because with Athens, I sort of felt like I'd made it to the top of the mountain. Anything after that sort of felt not easy but you know like it was um hey I've I went into an Olympic final as world record holder and I won I've done something that's pretty hard to do um so then world champs next year felt almost like nationals to me um yeah it just wasn't I mean and there also wasn't there were a few people that took that year off as well um but I also wasn't training very much in 2005. We'd just moved to Canberra to the Institute and Shannon had said, let's just sort of start backing off the program um, and just, you know, um, he was trying to give me a little bit of leeway because he knew mentally I was going to struggle after Athens <laughs> yeah. um, with my love of swimming. And I did. Um, yeah, so he was trying to sort of um, soften me back into, into full-time training. So. Now, I'm looking at your bio here, and it says in 2007 at the World Championships in Melbourne, um, you were on gold medal winning relays, but it doesn't say anything about your individual performances. What happened? No. Um, yeah, like I said, I just, after Athens, I really struggled with motivation mentally, um, just because I sort of felt like I'd done the one thing that I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't an overly... Um, competitive person where I felt I had to keep on doing as well. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> by 2007, I was well and truly over it and I was just going through the motions. Um, yeah, so I, I was surprised that I even swam a 54 there because I just, I wasn't training. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's incredible that you still swim that fast. Um, <laughs> Do you think that you were uh, blessed with some gifts? I mean, do you, do you feel athletically you were gifted with some things? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, my dad was a decent swimmer. Um, he actually was like a, a master swimmer. He sort of found his love of swimming later on in life. Um, yeah, and I do have my dad's stroke. I have a really, um, like they use my stroke still nowadays as something to um, work with um, as a model, I, su I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, so I definitely was blessed genetically. But then at the same time too, I'm also not the perfect swimmer's body. I know that you look at the Campbell sisters now and, geez, they've got 
great physique for sprinting, you know, yeah. um, and for swimming. And, you know, like, um, for example, one of, so, yeah, I was saying my turns are terrible. One of my legs is a lot shorter than the other. <laughs> and we never really um, delved too much into that. But that's pretty much why my dives and turns were so bad because I was always off balance. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so um, I had a nice stroke, but I definitely, I don't think I am the ultimate body type for a swimmer. You, you have your strengths as well. Like Libby had her strengths of the dives and the turns and the really fast, like, you know, the... Um, Underwaters and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my strength was my was my stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah beautiful stroke. Yeah, you're right. Um, picture perfect. So anyone that wants to go back and Google your name, check it out. Um, beautiful technique. Um, what are you doing now? So you're obviously, you know, long retired from swimming. What, what are you doing specifically now with, uh, with Australian swimming? Yeah. So now I'm um, working with Lindley frame in AWNE, so athlete wellbeing and engagement. Okay. So that's an area that's sort of just come up in the past couple of years, like pro sports have been doing it for quite some time. Olympic sports have just started to sort of um, get people working in that area. So we're looking at the person outside of the pool, outside of the track, that sort of thing. Um, making sure that they've got something besides their sport and, um, especially like with that transition once you leave um it's a lot easier and a lot healthier if you've got something else besides the sport so how do you specifically do it how do you identify these people and then how do you work with them um so i've only just started it's only my fourth week but um it's not specifically identifying people or anything it's just being with the athletes and going, hey, what's up? Is there anything we can help you with? Is there anything you're interested in? It's sort of like where the triage type thing between us and then the programs that can then help them. Um, and how do you build those relationships? Like obviously if, if you came to me and I'm an athlete and hey, can I help you in any way? I'm like, I don't really know this person. I don't want that help. So like, how do you, how do you build that relationship? Yeah, well, like I said, I'm just starting, but um, it's just being there, I think. That's yeah. the most important thing, just being there, showing that we care, um, showing that we're interested in them. Um, yeah, I've just started doing the rounds visiting programs now. Um, nice. I've got dates today. I'm heading out there today and oh. tomorrow um, just to be on pool deck and see see everyone. Um, the good thing is that I'm not learning the sport. I know the sport. I'm not having to learn anything yeah. about that. Um, so it's just then getting to know the athletes outside of the pool. Have you had a chance to mentor the Campbell sisters in any way? Um, no, no, to be honest, they don't need it. (laughs) Well, Um, I mean, that's uh, arguable. Come on. Everybody everybody needs it. Well, yeah. I mean, look, they've had a lot of experience under their belt as well. They've been on the team for quite some time. Um, yeah, I mean, the what I'm doing with GMR, so there's there's been a program going for a couple of years now that the AIS started. It's called GMR. It's basically based around um, those stress factors that our body goes through and then also um, just chatting through the... the the processes that we had. So um, it's called gold medal ready, but it brings a lot of Olympic gold medalists from other sports, from all sports together. So it's actually really nice. I get to work with like the hockey girls from mm. Sydney 2000 nice. and, um, and like uh, Sarah Carrigan from road cycling in Athens. Like it brings 
all of us together and we're learning a lot off each other. Um, but current athletes do have access to that because we're talking about, like I was saying, about um, those little things that I had to do behind the blocks. We're talking about those, uh, that we call them focused action plans um, that we have so, um, so that we've got plans for things we can control and we have to learn to let go of a lot of the things we can't because there's so many things at the Olympics that we can't control. So many things can go wrong. I had, I mean, I just went to one and I have so many stories of things that went wrong for me. Um, yeah, so it's just um, talking to athletes about those things and about what we did to deal with those situations. So it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that any 100 freestyle female in Australia who has access to you, who is, you know, a former Olympic champion in that event, I think they'd want to pick your brain and, and say, hey, yeah. is there anything you can pass on to me so I can go and perform at the same level that you performed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, like I said, all athletes have access to it at the moment, so I um, can't really go into who has actually done it. But, um, yeah, it's been a great program. Good. Well, good stuff. Well, I understand you've got three kids now. What are, what are their names? Yeah, Emmy um, is my eldest. She's a girl. And then Charlie and then Freddie. Oh, nice. Nice. How old are they? Uh, Emmy's about to turn 10. Wow. And then um, Charlie's about to turn eight and Fred's five and a half. So they're oh, all at school now, which is really nice. That's nice. Yeah, get them back out of the house. I know what that's <laughs> like. Now, do yeah. they know their mum's a superhero? Um, they do. And it's a little bit embarrassing. So they didn't for many years, many years, but then once they started to go to school and people clicked on to who I was, um, they started to learn a little bit. And then also with their dad as well, cause their dad's got a couple of premierships in AFL. Mm. So, um, yeah, they've got, um, they've got two parents that they brag about, which is really embarrassing. <laughs> well, that's cool, but they don't have any hope cause they got so much pressure on them now. It's like, good luck. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that's the thing. I, I like that they swim because they need to swim where we live and, and how we go to the beach fairly often. But um, I am not expecting anything out of them. That's for sure. Who's the most talented right now in the pool? Um, so Emmy has my stroke. She's nice and smooth. Nice. Um, but my middle Charlie is just competitive. He's just a competitive beast. He nice. wants to, yeah, like um, you put him in a race and if there's someone near him, he'll lift and do something he hasn't done before. And just, yeah, he looks sloppy as, but he'll, he wants to win. <laughs> it's got a killer instinct. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I'll be looking out for the, uh, the, the kids in the future. Hopefully you might, well, might be able to coach one of them in the future. Mm. <laughs> Um, well, listen, I appreciate the, your time. I know it's early um, and you gotta, you got to head off to the, the state championships. So I appreciate you getting up early for this. Thank you. That's okay. That's no problem. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's nice to see you too, Hawkey. See you, Jody. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.